When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, PB. And me, JB. And if you're wondering why you've got a different intro voice today, it's because I'm joined by a, a broken, hardworking JB, who despite watching Arsenal score three goals, is uh, a bit down in the dumps as we've prepared this, prepared this pod, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm just um, reasonably tired slash broken. Uh, you know, and that's not because I've rewatched the Leeds and Villa games several times this week. It's just due to due to real world commitments. I've uh, I've exhausted myself essentially, but I'm here to talk football uh, because why not? Hard working chap, hard working chap. So we obviously didn't bring you a Leeds uh, a post Leeds pod, but we thought we would sort of package a little bit together. Um, we're recording just after the mold game has finished and Arsenal run out 3-0 winners, which means we have advanced to the next stage. I think we've topped the group unless we lose the last two games 10-0 or something. Um, so, yeah, we're here to react to that. And what better way to start? We said on previous pods, we need Pepe needs his own segment. And we thought we might have a few episodes off talking about Pepe. And then he went and headbutted someone against Leeds and came back tonight after some people thought he might be banished from the team for weeks and weeks. And he's come back tonight, putting a man in the match performance. And um, yeah, where, where do you start with that, JB? Should we just become the Pepe pod? Is that the way to go? Just have a, kind of half an hour hoping. on Pepe, 10 minutes on other issues and then wrap up every week. I was thinking we need to bring on, because I think we're both in the camp of supporting Pepe. I think that's probably quite clear to our listeners, but there is quite we, a lot of fans who don't. So maybe we PKBs. We need a, we need a POB. Yeah. Or whatever we the equivalent is. Balance. We need to get a Pepe hater on. So if you're a Pepe hater, give us a tweet and we'll get you on the next, next episode just to we'll, balance that argument. We'll get you on to tell you how wrong you are and record it for everyone else to listen to. <laughs> Yeah, so what did you make of his performance tonight then? I thought it was good. Um, I, th- I think in general with Pepe, I don't actually think he, he kind of, this is going to sound controversial, but bear with me. I don't think he necessarily has good games and bad games. I think he is just inconsistent within games. And generally when you see him do good things and bad things, it's a function of how often we get him the ball in the right place. Um, mm. But I think today was a game where we just got him the ball a lot and he did a lot and made a lot happen. Uh, clearly, he had a lot to prove. Uh, you know, there's, there's a narrative there of the whole redemption thing and how, you know, obviously he had to make up for what he did on the weekend. But I think standalone, it was a good game. He played well, caused a lot of problems, nearly scored a couple. I think he put one over, hit the bar once and scored one. 
Mm. He also created quite a bit. Um, you know, look, hashtag lads, it's Mulder, but ultimately he still does things that no one else can do. So mm. uh, I say you have to take the rough with the smooth. Like It's not like he's getting sent off the whole time. I think you have to take the heavy touches, silly dribbles and mistakes with the good stuff. But it was a very encouraging performance and I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah, I think he... I think you're right. He tonight he definitely worked a bit harder than we've seen before. He he clearly wanted to right some wrongs, but in general his his overall play was quite similar to what we normally see. But the team didn't it feel like the team wanted him to do well tonight? They gave him the ball a lot when he scored his goal. You know, the the whole team seemed extremely yeah. happy for him. So it, it was that was really good to see. It was quite funny because like you could see he didn't want to go overboard when he scored. And mm. everyone else was just like so happy for him. I think Lacazette and Maitland-Niles um, especially were, were like straight over to him and trying to get a reaction out of him. And eventually I think he started smiling. But Yeah, I thought he was crying at one point. Um, he always <laughs> looks like he's about to cry, doesn't he? That's, that's kind he was of crying with joy because he had his head in his hands. Yeah, but... uh, it can't have been an easy week for the guy. No, um, I, th- I think there is an element to him. He, he doesn't tend to massively celebrate goals, especially in the Europa League, because he, he's aware, you know, that this isn't the level that he should be delivering at. Um, you know, he should be pulling this out in the big games. The only time I've really seen him celebrate properly, I think, was his goal against Manchester United you, at, at the Emirates. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's just his personality? Like, like to me, he's just a bit of an introvert. And yeah, there's a bit of that. He's not a showman. Uh, obviously, he used to do his salute thing in France. And maybe, maybe it's more of a sign that he's not, I don't know if it's not happy or if he's just like playing within himself a bit. But I don't, I don't feel like he's a guy to go crazy after scoring. Yeah, I think he celebrated quite hard that Man United goal. I think it was the start of the year. And I, I think if yeah. you saw him scoring back to back in the Premier League, we would start to see the salute etc come out so yeah I think it's a bit of both um moving on to the opportunity that perhaps his his headbutt has presented then to someone else in the team uh Reese Nelson obviously uh came on at the weekend for Willian when he had to uh come off at half time and he started again tonight Reese Nelson and scored was very enthusiastic and got on the end of a Joe Willett cross what did you make of his performance? And do you think he's got a chance to sort of get himself in this Premier League team now? He's, uh, I'm obviously happy for him again. Um, it's boring, right? I'm just going to say I'm happy for everyone who scored. Well done them. <laughs> yeah, look, I, th- I think Nelson's a funny one in that like, when he came through, everyone thought he was going to be the, the benchmark you hold those players to are the, are the Sterlings and the kind of the next flair. Sancho. Yeah, like flair wingers who are super quick and, and score lots of goals. And I think the thing with Nelson is he's, he's, he's technically good, but he's not rapid. He's just a smart, he's a smart wide player who's technically pretty sound, has an eye for goal and is actually pretty good in a structure. Like he presses well, he works hard. And mm. I think what's quite interesting is like out of all the young players, it, it kind of feels like he would actually fit what Arteta wants more than some of the others. Mm. And if anything, like he does what Arteta likes about William. So it, it is just a bit weird. Again, it's another why did we sign William thing, but like 
I think Nelson gives you a lot of what you want. I think him and Pepe are natural foils. Like we spoke on the scoring goals pod um, about how sometimes it's quite good having a high risk player one side and a bit of a safer Mm. structural player the other. So actually having like Nelson one side, Pepe the other makes sense. Uh, Or even Nelson and Saka. So I can see his value in the squad. I don't know if he'll ever be a superstar, but I think there's enough about him. He clearly gives us a lot. and, And I think it's hard to make an argument to take him out now. I think he's, he's earned minutes, whether that starts is a different question, but, but he's doing what you, you know, almost as much as you can ask. Mm. Yeah. I think you said there about him being sort of the, the most Arteta winger. We did see at the start when Arteta came in, Nelson got quite a lot of time. He at least came off the bench in, in quite a lot of games and then he lost his place. And I think he's, He's been picking up niggling injuries quite a few times. That's not helped him, as is the case with with Pepe, with strikers, with wingers. They need a little run in the team. I just hope for Nelson that he stays fit because Pepe's suspension for the Premier League, three games. You've got Wolves, Spurs, and I'm not sure on the third one, but you know three three big opportunities for Nelson. You'd think he would at least get off the bench in all of those games with Pepe out. Yeah, it's Wolves, Spurs, and Burnley. Mm. So, so you know, right? Because you'd, I mean, obviously you'd want Pepe for those games. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you know, Nelson, we all saw what he did for Hoffenheim on loan. You saw then when he got confidence, what he was able to do back to back, week to week. Um, but even when he was on that loan, you know, people saw that he was scoring goals. But closer look, he didn't actually play a huge amount of minutes. He was just quite often scoring goals off the bench. Yeah. But if he can do that for us, it would be fantastic. Obviously, I think, as is the case with any of these forwards or wingers, if they can start scoring goals regularly, they will stay in the team because no one's able to do that at the moment. Yeah. It's also a squad building thing, right? Like, how much would you have to pay for someone, you know, say, say Nelson gets to a eight, I don't know, what, eight to 10 goal a season player mm. in his mid 20s? Right, you've you've probably either got a twenty to thirty million pound sale, given he's an English winger, or you've got a squad player who would probably cost you, what, like, fifteen to twenty mil to buy a replacement for. So, you know, again, whether he's a superstar or not, I think if if you look at our squad and you see Pepe, Saka, Martinelli, among those are probably two future starters for us, or at least a lot of money coming in if if any of them aren't. So then you go, right, you only need one or two more other players and, and people who can who can start a few games a season or come off the bench. And Nelson fits that. Uh, and I'm not saying they're all going to stay, but but you could conceivably believe that some, some combination of Pepe, Saka, Martinelli and Nelson are still at the club in three, four years and, and two of them are playing. That's, mm. not, that's not hard to believe. Equally, I think that... These next few weeks are crucial. People's careers are based on fine margins, you know, little sprints of games. And you know, it's not up to Nelson to prove himself in the next three games, not what I'm saying. But if he was to have a really good run of games now, yeah. whilst he's got this opportunity, it could really project his career in a more sacker direction rather than, you know, some of the other youngsters who've tailed yeah. off. And I mean, look, look how many of the young players... I mean, in the current squad or even 
like in the history of Arsenal, um, have got their opportunity through injury. Like Bellerin was one. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you look through the current squad, Saka was probably that. Saka, left back. Uh, Eddie, a bit. So, you know, that's a thing. Like, Clichy, Ashley Cole was the was the passport thing from memory. So, you know, it's not, it's not atypical. Like, as you said, it's hard to get real minutes, like, especially starting. So, yeah, like, pressure on for, for Nelson because I think as soon as Pepe's back, you know, he's behind Aubameyang, he's behind Willian, he's behind Pepe, he's probably behind Saka. We've got Martinelli take... coming back as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, and, and who knows? We might buy someone, right? We might go and buy a, I don't know, like a wide playmaker. Mm. Um, like, don't don't take these minutes for granted. I'm sure he won't, but also, no. I, I would I would give him the minutes. Yeah. Okay, so we're happy with Nelson. We're happy with Pepe tonight. What What did you? Here's one for you, just just briefly. What, what did you think of Arteta's handling of the Pepe thing? Because I was a bit iffy on the weekend, especially when he said he let the team down. Um, mm. I think you know, I, what he said once he's cooled down and the way he's managed it with, with today has been much better. Like, it feels like it's problem over. Mm. Obviously, he's banned, but like, he's playing, no lasting damage, hopefully. Yeah, I, I mean, Arteta's a, a very passionate, emotional guy. I sympathise with him as a manager myself i can um i can understand his huge frustration you know he's been arteta's been getting battered for arsenal not scoring goals not creating chances being on the back foot against lesser teams like aston villa he knows that pepe red card obviously forced arsenal to play for a point which is not how he wants his team to be seen he knew the second that happened the chance of us scoring or creating many chances was pretty much gone and Pepe is a player that I'm sure has probably frustrated him for for other reasons, of for other things he does on and off the pitch several times as well. So I get the instant reaction. And this is a learning point for Arteta because I was scared by that instant reaction because I thought, you know, you've got to, we can't throw away this massive asset and he can still gain a load of confidence and you know, see us through as top of the group by playing in the Europa League. So if he hadn't played today, I think it would have been a disaster for Marteta. Um, but luckily, I think it was just a case of him being fuming at the time and him, you know, calling off and then allowing Pepe to apologise, which it sounds like he's done. And you can see from the way the team celebrated with him after his goal today, you know, no one's got bad feeling towards Pepe yeah. for, for what he did. It's interesting, all, all the noise from the club during the week, right, came through Ornstein. Like, it was very much, we're behind him, no intention of this being the end of anything. They had to. Yeah. I, th- I think they had to, right? Like, even if they don't mean it, and I, and, I, and I think they shouldn't mean it, because I think there's a player there. Mm. Um, whether it's a 70 million player or not, I don't think it matters anymore, because he's with us. Um, you have to feel like that, because at, at like, the very least, there's an asset there that you can't just tank the value in. Uh, mm. There's also a person there. Um, so look, I'm just glad. I was just good to get your thoughts. Like, I, it's glad. I'm glad to have him back. I want to see him play as much as possible. I don't think there's other people in the team who can do what he does. I don't think there's anyone in the team who could who can strike a ball like he can. So, yeah. Um, I think this week could have gone an, another way, and I'm glad it hasn't. 
Yeah, he's kept himself in the Pepe segment of Fresh Arsenal pod, you know. That's all he wants. That's why he did these two completely polarising things. Join us next week for the next Pepe segment. Well, his only chance, unless he runs off the bench while suspended and does something crazy. Yeah, what if the camera flashes to him in the crowd and he's like not wearing his blanket properly? He holds his middle finger up. Yeah, you never know. Or he's on his phone again, like that Celtic player who got an unnecessary amount of stick. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Tune in next week. So, as as well as our wingers did tonight, I thought, obviously, we scored three goals. For those who didn't see it, they all came in the second half. Um, We did step it up in the second half, but I think we played reasonably well in the first half as well. We just, the finishing wasn't quite there. Arsenal deployed a slightly different system today in that they played a it's a 4-2-3-1 because Lacazette sort of played as a number 10, if you like, but sort of played as a second striker. <laughs> so 4-4-2. It was an effort mm. to get more people forward clearly from Arteta. We saw Willock playing alongside Xhaka. Um, what did you make of that? And what did you make of a duo, an attacking duo of Lacazette and Enketia tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Because when you see Willock on the team sheet, normally you assume he's pressed quite high up and against uh, against Leeds, he was playing pretty close to Aubameyang. Um, I wonder if this is more of a change because I know, I know it's not a traditional 4-2-3-1, but if you look at the way the front two, like Willock, Willock and Aubameyang played on the weekend, they were both quite high. I wonder if Lacazette was playing similar role to William, uh, to William, to Willock. Um although clearly less able to run the channels. Um, I guess the first thing when I saw the, the system was, you know, the fact that Willian is in the two, the fact you've got Maitland-Niles as one of the fullbacks, that is a team that is built to play high up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see we did that now. Again, hashtag lads, it's Mulder. Whether we did that because they sat back or whether playing like that forces the opposition to sit back is always quite hard to unpick. But... It was just quite reassuring seeing, you know, there were times in the game where they had like eight, nine players in their box. We had both our fullbacks inside the width of the box, wingers in the box. Uh, it was like, you know, when England have been playing these these smaller teams in the internationals and like the game takes place in the box. It's been so long since I saw that, um, which was quite nice to see. Now, I don't know if that works against a better team, but I was encouraged by that. Um, I, I don't know. I have to say I preferred... Smith Rowe in that role uh, when he yeah. came on. I think he's just much more natural. Like he gets attracted to the ball, he recycles possession better, and he knows when to get in behind. But I do think if we're going to use Lacazette, using him behind someone else intuitively makes more sense. So look, I know it was only Mulder, but it was it was nice to see us trying something else and clearly trying something more offensive. Yeah, and I think we've with Lacazette playing there, it was probably a case of when I was looking at what team we could play tonight, you looked at Eddie and Lacazette and thought <clears throat> they both need minutes. Um, we've tried Eddie on the wing in, I think, Vienna away that first game and he was completely ineffective. So it was kind of the only way that you could get them both on the pitch from the start. But I think this approach was reassuring. And people say, oh, it's only, it's only Europa League. But when we played Mulder at home, we played Willock as the number 10 rather than from a deeper position. You know, we played with one striker. 
we played much less offensive and actually we played a lot worse in the home game. I thought we were much better tonight. I've not looked at the, the XG and the stats, but I imagine we... I think we were like two and a half, 2.4, something like that. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it, it felt better. It definitely felt better than the home game, um, which we, we obviously went behind in and just were quite negative. And yeah, it, it's just a very bleak, but if this acts as a sort of trial um, for different systems and different personnel then I think it's a step in the right direction um my concern is with Eddie himself and I you saw a bit of my Eddie frustration when I gave him a four or something in the last Europa League game I think I gave him a five brutal my concern with Eddie is is starting to increase um he obviously played again tonight played about 80 minutes struggled I thought throughout and then youngster Balogun uh 18 year old striker who's in contract extension talks with the club at the moment comes on and scores within about 30 seconds of coming on yeah and Eddie himself has one and a half years left on his contract we've got Balogun potentially extending we've got Martinelli coming back from injury where do you think Eddie goes from here home to take a long hard look at himself in the mirror um do, do you know what it's quite interesting right because because i've watched a few balogun videos in the last couple of days uh i've seen clips of his goals and like when i first watched him you see especially when you're playing in the under 23s level right like a lot of strikers just get a lot of goals just getting onto the end of three balls and it's it's encouraging to see because you're like oh this guy runs in behind and you know it's it's it looks like it's quite a simple game and it's easy to to watch youth football and start thinking all players are the same i think with eddie you see his limitations in the first team mm-hmm. um and he's great at getting on the end of things he's he's an average or above average finisher like i wouldn't say his his finishing special but he gets into great positions um, you know, he get he gets on the end of a lot of high XG chances. Is another way of putting it. You know, you can say he scores tap-ins, but that's a skill. His positioning is good. His movement's good. Mm. Um, where he struggles, apart from some of the link-up stuff and some of the physical stuff, uh, and it's okay not to do that if you do other things well. Where he struggles, in my mind, is some of his technical skills in terms of his ability to make space for himself and his ability to work shots. Probably not as good as it could be. And I think you see that quite often where he'll just, a lot of his shots get blocked. He won't actually be that creative in working angles for himself. Um, you know, and if he's put through, he'll, he'll do well. And if he kind of gets on the end of things, he'll put it away. But he doesn't often fashion chances. Um, and conversely, what I've noticed about Balogun in the videos I've watched and today is he scores goals. He, he doesn't need the chance laid on a plate for him. I think he's a little bit more crafty. Um, and today, right, he spun a defender and put it away. Now, mm. it was a bit of a messy finish, but part of me thinks that Nketiah would have just tried to shoot first time. Yeah. Um, and I think Lacazette, if you look at what he was known for and what he did well at Leon, you know, not necessarily an elite striker, but what he was very good at at Leon was, was the footwork, right? It was the working space to get a shot away or or managing to fashion a chance in a crowded box. And that's a real skill as well, especially 
as you go up a level. So I think what's encouraging when you, when you, when you see a player who's new, you often notice what they do that others don't. Mm. And I think Balogun has, he runs the channels, he gets in behind, he makes smart runs. I think there's something technical about his game that probably I watched and I just thought, I don't know if Eddie does that. doesn't mean Eddie's a bad player, but I think, as you said, like you need to really believe in Eddie if you're going to deny Balogun a route to the first team. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it was fine keeping Eddie this season, but you know, what do I see going, going on? Um, I mean, there's a decent chance that Lacazette goes in the summer. There's a decent chance Eddie goes, I don't know. Like, could you get 25, 20, 25 million for Eddie? Probably. Maybe. Could you get Brewster money or Solanke money? Could yeah. you get 15, 20 for Lacazette? And then you've got, you know, 40 million for a first choice striker and, or, or a Bamian goes up top. So I think, I think we're at the point now where in both Lacazette and Eddie, you've got players with some value in the market who probably aren't good enough to be first choice and you've got to make a call on sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah. I know you've been more Eddie out, <laughs> hashtag Eddie out, <laughs> Um, for for a little bit longer, so it'd be good to get your thoughts. Do, do you see Balogun doing different things? Yeah, I mean, look, Eddie's still very young, but he's only twenty one. Um, I just don't, and I never have seen him being the answer for us. I've seen him doing a a job off the bench every now and then, but I think that he deserves to do more than that with his career. So ultimately, I I don't see a long term future for him. And you talked about their Brewster money. You know, Liverpool got that money for Brewster because they sent him out on a good loan in January last year where yeah. he scored a lot of goals in the championship. So when you ask how much we'll get for Eddie, I think, I think it depends on what we do. Now, I would, I'd loan him out in January with the chance of him doing something similar to Brewster, potentially adding 10 million to his price. And also it creates more minutes for Balogun because, you know, Balogun will be delighted that he got on and scored tonight but he's going to want more than 10 minutes and five minutes like he got in his only other appearance. So we need to create that space for him to give him the opportunity. And as you say, I think he offers things that Eddie doesn't. I think he offers things that you need from your lone striker when you haven't got a lot of creative midfielders. As you say, someone who can create chances themselves. He's better at holding the ball up. You know, if you've got Aubameyang playing from the left, I would rather have Balogun through the middle than Nketiah. I would already be confident in saying that based on what I've seen. I know it's a lot of youth football, but we can't afford to clog the queue for, for Balogun's development. And it might not be that Balogun's the answer either, but as you sort of alluded to there, we have to sell people at the right time. And another year of Eddie being second, third, fourth choice striker next season would not do well for his value. Yeah, I, I do feel a bit bad for Eddie because obviously that Leeds loan was supposed to be the one. Um, mm. And, and you know what? He did all right. And he's doing well for England. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I do That'll wonder if the Balogun thing... Yeah, I wonder if the Balogun thing is a position for a six-month loan. Mm. But that would uh, involve trusting the club to, to make smart decisions. And Well, do you think they'll sign up Balogun to a new deal and then send him on loan? That, that's what I feel like they do because I feel like Arteta's sort of got an allegiance to Nketiah but I think that would be the wrong way around Look, I just hope we don't lose Balogun or Nketiah on a free I don't actually care right? I, I, I'd love it if one of them made it 
if we mm. get 20 million for each of them amazing um uh, part of me i've got you know i've got a feeling that well sounds like they were open to selling Balogun in the summer and they just suddenly realized how little money people were offering and maybe that makes you reevaluate so yeah i don't know i just i just don't want us to keep trashing the value of our squad mm. fair so we've looked at the leads and mole games we'll have a quick look ahead to the weekend where we're playing in another Sunday 7.15pm blockbuster people will be delighted to hear Arsenal Wolves Arsenal Wolves back to the uh, Emirates which I think they've already announced is going to finish nil-nil so <laughs> don't know if it's have I ruined the... I don't know if I've ruined the ending you've jumped ahead to if you're listening you're... you've jumped ahead to the next week's podcast right, should we do a... should we just pre-record the post-match <laughs> Look, we've got a score on Sunday, right? I mean, it's really building up. We did, uh, and if you haven't listened yet, listen to the former the episode about scoring goals with Yankee Gunner and Carl Carpenter, where we, I think the headline was like six hours without a goal. We obviously had Leeds, which is another hour and a half without a goal. We're counting just Premier League games here. So, so Wolves I, are I, quite I, a good team defensively, right? Yeah, I heard that Arteta actually listened to our pod after the Leeds game. I think it reached him a bit. That late. would make sense. It would. It would make sense. I can't confirm it. It was just a rumour. But this is what I heard. Although I did, I had someone who listened to the pod actually message me and said, uh, Arteta did most of the things you asked and we still didn't score. What now? <laughs> we, we, we should have said, keep 11 players on the pitch. I think we forgot yeah. that bit. That's yeah. Should, That's have, should have added a footnote. But seriously, what 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 do we do for Wolves? And how would you approach that game in terms of uh, formation, lineup? We're obviously without the suspended Pepe. There's a couple of injuries and COVID cases lingering around the squad. I think it's a tough one, right? Because because number one, they're very good defensively and they play a back three, and number two, um, they've got pace to burn um and for some reason triore i mean they keep using him off the bench right so i imagine what that's what they're going to do again so i i have a feeling we might match them man for man and go to the back three which uh, um, a is probably his default for the bigger games and b might allow i was gonna say pepe well the advantage of the of the back three is it allows you to go man for man on their back three, which which could be interesting if you put Obama Yang on, on their right centre back and someone who's not a Lacazette in the middle. Um I don't know, just just a thought. Um but but yeah, I just I just kind of want to keep this back full going. I know it might not be the perfect situation solution for the game. Mm. Uh I it's partly personnel. Like, do we think Partey's gonna be back? Saka sounds like he'll be all right. I hope Partey. I think Partey and Saka are both so vital. And I think that's the other nuance to they did everything we said against Leeds. It didn't work. We didn't have Partey, who's so crucial to progressing that ball through midfield. And we only had Saka for the last half an hour or so. And he, you know, on the for the 30 minutes Saka was on the pitch, it was probably quite an even game, at least in, in terms of um, high-quality chances. Yeah. So. Those two players make a massive difference. And if we can have them from the start in a similar shape, I think we'll look a lot better. Yeah, I mean, look, the way, the way you want to play against a back three is drag their centre-backs wide. So uh, 
I, I want us to have like someone like Willock, I think would be quite useful if you can work him into the team. Do you think Aubameyang will play through the middle again? Um, I don't know what Lacazette could have done today to merit inclusion on Saturday, mm. Sunday, whenever we're playing. So I would, and I would play Saka on the left, and I would play a back four. Who would you play on the right, Nelson or William? I would play. Am I, are we assuming Partey is available? I'm presuming Willian's available as well because he, he was obviously. I I would try, Partey and Ceballos. Which he probably won't do because of the physicality. But anyway, with Saka, Nelson, and Willock behind Aubameyang. Hmm. I cannot see William not starting if he's fit. I think if you read into the lineup and the substitutions tonight when the game was um, sort of done, for those that didn't see it, Lacazette and Willock came off fairly early, um, which may indicate they could be involved. Sabayas came on for about 20 minutes, but it was Jack who started. So I think we could see Partey Sabayas, obviously, if Partey's fit. It's a massive if. Yeah. Just, I'm not sure when El Nene's back either. The saviour El Nene. They're quite coy on the party injury, haven't they? It's not really. Yeah, they don't want to look like a new signing is out for months because it was quite a while ago, wasn't it? They got that knock. Now was it Villa? It was pre-international break. Yeah, it was the. I mean, the moral of the story is don't don't stretch for the ball. I don't no. know if that is the moral of the story, but basically, <laughs> you should never try and win the ball because it can only backfire. It's like when you do something good for someone and it just backfires. Uh, the moral of the story is never do nice things. I don't know if it translates to football, but I think, I think if there's one learning from, from Thomas Partey's Arsenal career so far, it's just like, be, be more of a dick. Well, let's hope he's all right because, you know, we had a glimpse of what he could offer, especially in that Man United game where that game was so similar to all our games recently but I know he didn't create a goal or anything but he very nearly did a couple of times and I think he'll just make a big difference I would like to see it's difficult isn't it because I'd like to see Aubameyang have a few games through the middle and I'd like to see us stick with the four but as you say for Wolves they've got pace they also play the back three and you want to stretch their wide centre-back so it kind of all leans towards going back to the old system but I think you know, it's not so definite as a three and a four, as I've said a few times on here. Yeah, it's certain ways to, to exploit those things. Completely. It, it's more to do with um, the strikers, right? Like, I think I think if you're going to play the three, four hybrid, I would still use Aubameyang as the central striker. Um, <laughs> I just don't really want him on, on the left. So I think, it, like, if, if Saka... Uh, I don't know, how do you do that, though? Like, you have... Tierney left centre-back, Saka left wing-back, and then... Sorry, Maitland-Niles left wing-back, and then Saka on the left of a three? That'd be weird. I wonder if we see... What I'd quite like to see a bit more of is last season when Xhaka was playing sort of the left defensive midfield role when he was sort of slotting in to where Tierney plays, spends a lot of his time now, 
and that allowed Tierney to get forward a lot more than we've seen recently. And then you've got your Saka, or it was your Bemiang a lot of the time, tucking in uh, into more central zones. I'd like to see that potentially, not not necessarily Xhaka in the lineup. But I'm not sure he can do it with anyone else in midfield. That's yeah, it's funny, right? It just feels like it's Partey plus one, and that plus one depends on the opponent. So we'll see. It's also a lot harder to have Partey plus one if he's injured. So yeah. fingers crossed on that. Cool. So this has been an instant reaction pod to Mould and a five-day late reaction pod to Leeds. But we hope you've um, enjoyed it. Quick it's prediction. A, it's a David Luiz slow reaction pod. <laughs> Louise, we should say, came off. We've had a half-time injury, I think, every game for the last four games or something. Uh, Louise came off injured at half-time. I've not seen any more information on that. that Whose fault is that? I think everything has to be someone's fault. So, is that Arteta's fault? Did he get the injury when he waved his arms in the air, complaining that no one was making a forward run? Probably. Probably. He's got got an armpit strain. (laughs) What do you think? How do you think the game ends Sunday? Nil-nil. Uh, <laughs> I'm, st- I'm sticking, but they've got a really good defence. <laughs> and the, we don't score lots of goals. And therefore, I think we'll be quite cagey. Um, it's either going to be nil-nil or like 7-1. But I'm like 99% towards the nil-nil within that? I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm still feeling quite positive. People might call me crazy from what we've seen. But I think in these games that we've got leading up to January, there's a couple of big performances in Arsenal and in, in Arteta. And we've seen that from him before in times where we've had a couple of dodgy results. And I think one of them may come against Wolves. If it doesn't, it'll definitely come against Spurs. I think we'll have a couple of of big victories against sort of top six, top eight teams that will get everyone behind the team again. And I think the first one comes on Sunday. I'm going to go two now. That's your your big your big win, big performance prediction is two nil against Wolves. <laughs> that is, that is a big win. <laughs> fall from grace for Arsenal. That'd be and our West biggest. Ham beat, West Ham beat them four nil, didn't they? Yeah, but West Ham, West Ham are a seven-one or seven-one win or seven-one loss kind of team, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, more, more I can see that. us. Yeah, I can see it being two-nil. Like the game, like against Leicester at home, if that goal went in early, uh, that should have counted through Lacazette. I think we win that game two-nil. I think it'll be, we'll start similar to that game because we started quite strong. I think we'll get our early goal. And we'll get the second. And Partey to score if he's fit. That's my prediction. Big, some big predictions there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say I cannot see Pepe scoring this weekend. Brave. Brave prediction. Don't hold me to it. Just a prediction. So, so yeah. I mean, look, join, join us on the post-match pod where we will be talking about how Pepe did nothing. <laughs> Hopefully no Pepe segment after the game but yeah we'll have another podcast for you probably on Monday or Tuesday um, Arsenal needing to get in the top half of the league needing to score some goals hopefully after this 
3-0 win tonight and a game where we created a lot more chances, albeit against Europa League opposition. Hopefully the team have got a bit of confidence back. Uh, thanks for listening again to this shorter podcast. Uh, if you've not heard enough of us and you're desperate to listen to more, there are some former episodes. And if you've not listened to the Scoring Goals pod, I'd advise you to, to have a listen of that ahead of the weekend. Um, and the podcast provider you listen on, please subscribe to us and give we're us a five-star all, review. All of them, pretty much, except for, except for the ones that we didn't really know what they are. But we're on all of the important ones. I we're think. on Apple and Spotify, which is, is what's important. All two of the important ones. <laughs> yeah, so join us for episode... What are we on now? Episode five? This episode I've five lost count. Episodes. I've lost count. I can count to three and I struggle. <laughs> it's over three. It's definitely over three because I've got episode five written in my notes, but that may may have been from the episode before, so I can't be sure. Anyway, we're waffling. It's supposed to be a short podcast. We'll leave it there. Thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Network.